Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we want the truth, need the truth, and desperately seek the truth. Right now you have Fox on the right, you have MSNBC on the left, and we sit somewhere in the middle with CNN in the center. We do our best to stay there. How's everybody doing tonight? Right now, the world is on fire. It's on fire. We are on the verge of what you could say is World War III. Think about this. Let me tell you a story. Imagine there was a house. Sweet old lady lived at a house. And she told you that the guy across the street was going to set her house on fire. And when you went to confront that guy, he said, no, 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 I'm not going to set the house on fire. But she kept telling you he was. And so you kept going back and forth. And finally, he set the house on fire. You went to the fire department. You went to your neighbors. But everyone just sat out there and just watched. They just watched the house burn. Right now, we're watching the house burn the country of Ukraine. What is the purpose of the United Nations? Why is this organization that was sought out to have nations sought out their differences not doing their job? Think about this. It's a nation of 51 countries sitting down. It was created in 1945 after World War II to prevent this from happening. Yet you have Russia invading Ukraine and nothing happening. You would say it's all talk and no bite. What's the purpose of NATO? Now, we can all go back because Ukraine wanted to join NATO because they foresaw this coming. NATO is a group of 30 members. And they agreed to work together to ensure the security of the Northern Atlantic Alliance. But they are not doing nothing. We are a country that spends so much, so much on defense. What is the purpose of having it? We, you know, we sought out to be the nation's policemen. We sought out to lead and protect the world. Yet, we are not willing to put our money where our mouth is. What is the point of having the world's toughest military if you're not going to pull the trigger? If you're not going to defend the defenseless? They are calling for our help. Yet, we sit there and we watch the little old woman's house burn on fire. We pass these sanctions, and they have some teeth. But what are we really doing? Why can't we solve this issue? Some would say we don't need to get into a war because it will lead to World War III. Some say we don't need to get into war with Russia because they're scared of nuclear power. We need to show people like Putin that we're not ones to fuck around. Ladies and gentlemen, if it was me, if it was me, I would have looked Putin in the eye and said, you move an inch, I will shoot you by a mile. Don't fuck with me. Yet we did none of these things. We kept placating him. We kept giving into his demands and look where we are today. Now, I don't buy the argument that people say, well, if Trump was in power, this wouldn't happen. Bullshit. Trump told us at Helsinki, I trust Putin over American intelligence. That should tell you right then and there that he trusted Putin more than he trusted the people that worked for him. His own intelligence people did not mean shit to him. It was all about Putin and his word. This is the same guy who trusted the Taliban. Yet, 
under his watch this wouldn't happen? Bull fucking shit. It's funny, we have, a, we, we have an ex-president calling Putin a genius, saying, oh, he is so great for what he did. People are dying. 137 people died today. But under Donald Trump, he's a genius. These were righteous kills because Putin said it must. Putin says Ukraine is not a country. It's fiction. Yet Trump would take his side. The American people, they say, do not want another war. They can't handle another war. You know what's funny? In 1939, people said the same thing. When Hitler invaded Poland, we looked the other way. Why should I care? Why does it matter? It matters because we are one. We're intertangled. We're intertwined. If we do nothing today like we did nothing in 1339, we'll be forced in 19 will be forced in two years like well not two years but but in two years in 19, 1941 america was forced into a war they did not want to be in we'll be forced into a war that we don't want to be in but we are forced to go into these people are hurting these people just want peace they just want to live in their country they want to live in a country they've been striving for 30 years. Democracy. Fee, free, fair elections. They don't want to live in a government where one guy has total control and tells them how to live. That's all they want. And if we do nothing today, what's the next country Putin, Putin takes? What's the next country he acquires? Will we do something then? I, I, I understand people do not have the desire, do not have the will to go to another war. I understand you. I hear you. But sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do for the good of the world. Right now we must act. Now, some people would say, well, Mark, you sound like a warmonger. I, I, I don't like war. I think the point of war is stupid. But sometimes you need it to solve a problem. You need it to get rid of a, of a dictator. You need it to get rid of a regime that means harm. If we continue on this path to let the house burn, what's the next house that will be set on fire? Putin must be stopped at all costs. And if that means coming in his house and taking him out and resetting the national order, it must be done. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we are on the cusp of deciding which we are on the cusp of deciding which country we want to be. Do we want to be a country that leads again? That shows the world that America is strong again? Or do we want to go into our shell again? We spend so much on defense. And what is the purpose? That's like having a massive gun on your table sitting by you, but you're scared to grab it. You're scared to pull the trigger. For what? We need to show the world that America does not fuck around. The people of Ukraine are crying out. They're hollering, they're begging, they're pleading. Yet we don't want to get involved. We just want to sit there on the street and watch the house burn. As we talk to our neighbors, as we say this is all messed up. 
know what's funny? So I, I'm seeing these pictures and I'm seeing these children, these babies. I, I, I see a father kissing his kid goodbye and him not knowing when he would see his family again. If anybody can look at those pictures and not feel anything, you're not human. Because I look at those pictures and I think of my children. Me going off to, to fight for the country that I love, to give my kids a better life. Dawn is breaking and a war broke out. Can you imagine that? These people went to bed that night. Peaceful, not knowing what to expect, and they woke up in hell. Their lives had been uprooted. The, the life they knew was over. All for man to reconstruct something that crumbled when he was young. It's almost like a vanity project with Putin. That he must restore Russia to his good, its greatness. But like America's great again, when was Russia ever great? Under Stalin? Under a dictatorship? I know America does not want war. I know we do not seek war. But if we're a country that won't defend a sovereign nation from another, we might as well walk off the stage. We might as well put our guns down. We might as well pull back from spending all this money in our military. Because this shows me that it's all for nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not fun when you see pictures of children. It's not fun when you see a father kissing his daughter and wife goodbye. It's not fun when you read an ex-president saying, under my watch this would not happen. And people agreeing, Biden's weak. This is happening because of Afghanistan. No, we can look at the Afghanistan fiasco and say, did it play a part into Putin's calculations? Maybe, maybe it did. Maybe he looked at how he left Afghanistan and he said, this is my chance, this is my shot. I'm going to do it. Some would say he looked at how divided we were as a country, how divided we were as a nation. And he said, is this my shot? I'm going to do it. Or did he look at Biden and see a man that was senile, that was falling in the polls, that did not have the full support of his nation? And did he say, I think I'm going to do it now? Like I said before, you don't have to like the president. But we need to get back to a time where we respected the office. We should stand behind this president. We should be supporting this president. We should be saying whatever this president needs during this time, let's stand behind him. Now, I know some people have questioned. The intel well, I'm not going to go there because I'm going off on a tangent about intelligence. Well, we, we know what the intelligence is. I think a lot of people were worried before the build-up to this because they felt this was another Iraq situation. But I feel like we need to do something. We, we're so divided, we choose to listen to an ex-president who's basically pulling at straws for any bit of attention. We have a president that is pay placing sanctions on Putin in Russia that is sad because it's going to hurt the Russian people most of all. The, mo the Russian people are going to feel the pain of this.
and you could say rightfully so, you know, you would almost hope that these sanctions would make them feel more pain that they rise up and they take their leader out. And you would almost say, well, that's a pipe dream. And maybe it is. But we have to get to a point. The house is on fire. Yet we're so divided now. You have a Republican, you have some Republicans taking Putin's side, taking Russian talking points, you know, saying this is a just a simple border war, a border crisis. It's, it's, it's sad that you have conservatives that maybe I don't respect, but they are very well liked in that those uh, circles to, say, to agree with Putin. And then you would say, why are they trying to sell us on this? I think when you look at war, when you look at war, no one comes out of it great. I think both sides, you know, the side that's been attacked comes out, you know, what am I, I'm trying to say this. When, when it comes to war, both sides come out looking horrible. The side that attacked comes out looking worse. And the side that's, you know, maybe started it looks about the same. But when you have a country that's being attacked from another country with no purpose, you just feel for them. And so it shocks me when you have people on the right, you know, would rather say Putin's a strong leader and this is nothing we should be involved in and blame Biden. It's sad. Because if the roles were reversed, if the roles were reversed, I remember my friend telling me, he said, you know, I was at work one day. I was at work one day. And I said to myself, if this was Obama, if this was Obama, would I be defending him as much as these people are defending Trump? So I want every one of you to ask yourself this question if you're a Republican who listens to this. If this was Trump, if this was Trump, would you still be saying the same thing you're saying? Or would you be saying what Trump is doing is right? Sanctioning Putin, giving everything he can to uh, the Ukrainians. Would you be saying that? I think when you come to that answer, how you would act, I think you, you'll start to realize and you'll start to pull yourself back from the extreme of your party and put yourself back to the center in the middle where you say you are, but when you break it down, you're nowhere near there. You're not where you say you are. You know, another sad thing when we look at it, you know, Trump said Putin did this. He called Putin a genius, like I said, and he made it about the election. He said, well, Putin's doing this because of a stolen election. You have a president, an ex-president, that's still pushing this narrative, still saying this foolish thing. A stolen election. And it, everything that's going on in the world comes back to this. You know, Trump makes himself out to be a victim. He says he has it hard. But what about the people right now who are living in the streets in America? What about the people who are struggling right now to get by? Trump has $93 million in the bank. Yet, He's the victim, yet his life is hard. Trump worked for four years and he got a $180,000 pension. Yet he has a hard life. Putin's doing this because what a stolen election. I think right now, if the Republicans truly want to move on, 
We can't focus on John Durham in 2016. We can't fo focus on the 2020 election. We have to focus on 2024, 2022, because that's what people are thinking about. They're not looking backwards. They're looking forward. Yeah, we have a president that says, I'm the victim. Everything that's going on in your life, inflation, all this shit is because of Biden and a stolen election. When it comes to everything, I'm going to tell you a secret. Listen, I'm going to tell you a secret. No matter who the president was, this all was going to happen. Now, I can say maybe Ukraine might not have happened, but inflation, supply issues, labor shortages, that all would have happened no matter who the president is. And if you say otherwise, guess what? You're only fooling yourself. These problems were simmering under the base. But you don't want to hear that if you don't realize that you don't know the problem. We came out of a pandemic. Of course inflation was going to be high because we shut things down. And people came out with money to spend. So as much as Trump likes to play this, well, if I was president, if I was president, if I was president, when you oh, when you look truly look at it, it still would have happened. It still would have happened. I think he has to get over this. He has to get over. His need to say the election was stolen. You know, I, and I've thought about it. I, I, you know, if Trump would have just came out and said, you know what, I lost the election fair and square. And he conceded. Because Trump's not playing this gracefully. You know, people are going to say, why should I support a man for 2024 when he's still talking about 2020? You know, if Trump would just shut his mouth and lay back, let Biden's mistakes take care of themselves, he would be in a better situation. But when he allows himself to be the story like he is, you end up with situations of him talking out the side of his mouth. Right now, we're in a dark place, but Trump wants to make it all about him. Right now, people are hiding in a subway station, fearing that they've lost their country, not knowing which way to go, where they're going to sleep, holding their children as they smile, country under attack. Yet Trump sits there and says, I'm the victim. This never would have happened if it would have been me. The right is staking out a claim that baffles my mind. They're staking out a claim that says Putin has every right to do what he's doing. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't be involved. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't be involved. Maybe we should let Putin and Ukraine handle their own issues. But I like to think I live in a country where we fight for the little guy. I like to think I live in a country where we go to bat for those who can't bat for themselves. I like to think that I live in a country where we spend so much on defense that we can help defend others. I like to think I live in a country where we value democracy overall, and we will defend it until our dying breath. I like to think I live in a country like that. Like that. Not the country I'm in now. Where we sat there and we just watched the house burn. You don't have to like everything about Ukraine. 
you can believe that Ukraine had something to do in the 2020-2016 election. But at the end of the day, you should feel something. Because Ukraine today, Poland tomorrow, a NATO ally, I started off this segment asking one question. What's the purpose of the United Nations? You know, after World War One, Woodrow Wilson wanted to create this league where countries sat down and they talked over their issues. He created it, but the American Congress wouldn't let him join. 1945, the United Nations is formed. The birth child of Woodrow Wilson. <sighs> 51 countries sit and talk about issues. Issues that affect you and me. But what's sad about the United Nations is... You have a war going on. And even though they had an emergency meeting, that still did not stop Russia from invading Ukraine. What is the purpose of the United Nations? Is it to prevent things like this from happening? Or is it to just sit and talk and look pretty for the cameras? You know, you, you have to ask yourself this question. You're st I'm starting to wonder. You know, there was a, a period where Trump wanted to cut funding for the United Nations. Now I wonder maybe that wasn't a bad idea. Because at the end of the day, what are we paying for? We're paying for people just to sit down and have a tea party? Are we paying for countries to sit and truly tackle the nation and the world's true issues. Ukraine's at war with Russia. Putin wants to recreate the Soviet Union. Yet, he thumbed his nose at the United Nations, which tells me the United Nations has no teeth, has no threat, has no bark. And so then I ask myself, what is the purpose of this organization? You start to wonder. You start to realize that maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. You got the United Nations, you got NATO. NATO is supposed to defend the nathing, the nate, the, uh, oh man, I'm sorry, I got to flame in my throat. NATO is supposed to defend the, the Northern Atlantic area. But they sit back and now they're not doing anything. Well, we can't we can't help Ukraine because they're not a part of NATO. So what is the point? Should NATO be an organization that def helps defend the defenseless? Are they like the United Nations that just sits back, says I'm a member of NATO, says I'm a member of the United Nations, but when it comes time to put pen to paper, when it comes time to defend a nation's independence, they do nothing. They sit back and wait and watch. How much longer do we have to sit, wait, and watch before we get action? Because at the end of the day, I'm tired of inaction. I'm tired of no answers. I'm tired of no consequences. I'm tired of no resolve. What? is the purpose of these two organizations. There must be an answer. There has to be.
There has to. There has to be. There has to be an answer for these two organizations. And, you know, when the dust settles and we get past where we are today in a resolution or what to come of Ukraine and Russia settles, I hope we can wonder what did the United Nations truly do and what did NATO really do? Was it basically all talk? Will we see action? Or will we continue to see inaction? I think if we continue to see inaction, I think I think the legitimacy of the United Nations is in jeopardy, could be in doubt, but that let that be a question we have to ask ourselves. So last episode, I talked about how this was the most important election of our lifetime. I talked about this was a referendum on Joe Biden as well as the Republican Party. I said that, you know, it only happened four times in American history that a president's party has picked up seats in the midterm. And that as, mad, as much as the Republicans right now are measuring the drapes, so to speak, so to speak, that this should be a referendum on both of them. But I also said that the Republicans did not have a plan. They were just holding the ball. They were playing it safe. And I talked about my favorite references. You know, I said, ask um, the quarterback from um, the, the Chiefs. Ask him about playing it safe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as I said that word and finished up that episode, the junior senator from Florida, Rick Scott, came out with an 11-point plan for the Republicans. And as I read it, I said, wow. Uh, he wants to shrink the federal government and enact a national voter ID law. You know what's funny? Republicans always talk about shrinking the national government. But when it comes time to do it, they never do. A national voter ID law. I support that to a point. But I would say if you want to vote a national voting ID law, but are you okay with making voting a national holiday? See, I think Republicans want to have it both ways. They want you to have a, 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 an ID, but when you say, okay, if you want that, if we all got to have an ID, which when I go voting, I do have an ID. Why can't we have a national holiday? Why, why can't it be a national holiday? Why can't it be a holiday where people have off and can't vote? Uh, he said cultural war, cultural war measures, such as declaring that there are two genders. Here we go again with the Republicans. Now, when it comes to trans people, we have to be open. You don't have to agree with it. But look the way if you don't. But here's the Republicans' message. They want to wade into this area again. Boy, girl, girl, boy. Not boy who thinks he's a girl or girl who thinks she's a boy. I think Republicans need to stay far away from this. Completing the border wall and naming after Donald Trump. You know, it's funny when you think of the border wall. When Donald Trump first got elected, when he first got elected, he had the House and he had the Senate. So my question would be, why did a Republican House, why did a Republican Senate not pass anything with wall funding in it? Why was Donald Trump forced to make the wall an executive order? A lot of people don't realize when you do an executive order, the next person that comes in can overturn the executive order. The best thing for you to do if you're president is put it in legislation. But he did not put it in legislation. Know why? Because Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan blocked him. So you have to ask yourself, if the wall was that important, why didn't you pass it when you had power? Nothing against Rick Scott because he wasn't in Congress then. But 
I would ask my Republican counterparts that. Why did you not do it? You know why? Because they thought the wall was bullshit like the Democrats did. And that's why it didn't happen. And when people tell me Trump is strong and Trump is tough, he got played by Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Had Trump just trusted his gut when he got in office, ooh, no telling what he would have done. But when you can't outflank your own party and they play you for a sucker, don't tell me you're strong. He wants to limit most federal workers, including members of Congress, to 12 years of service. I agree with that. I think you need to have term limits. I think you need fresh blood every now and then. I think the reason we don't have term limits because you would be asking people to vote themselves out. And that's just not going to happen. Because people only care about their special, it's all about them and their special interest. So let's see. He also wanted to make every American pay an income tax. He got pushback for that. So here you have a Republican wanting to raise taxes on the American people. You know what's funny? This is why you say many politicians tell you they don't put out plans. Because if you put out this plan, if you put out this road, this roadmap, you've just given the Democrats something to pick up on and run against you on. You Rick Scott has just forced every Republican running for office today, right now, to answer for this. And I'm sure that when the plan came out, Mitch McConnell probably said, what the fucking hell? Because here's a guy who's just holding the ball. If we do nothing, if we say nothing, if we just pull back, Joe Biden will hang himself and we will be guaranteed the majority. But the moment we put out a plan, the moment we tell the American people what we plan to do, what we plan to vote on, we've just given the other side ammunition to to shoot us with. Me personally, I like a plan. I might not like Rick Scott, but I like that the man had balls. He had guts to say, this is what I believe. This is what I stand for. And if you give us majority, this is what will happen. Now, you can either like it or you can hate it. I personally say when I read it, I said, guess what? It's the same old, same old. It's nothing new. The Republican Party is just recycling ideas from the last term. And the last term. If you wanted the wall, you should have enacted the wall. National voter ID laws. How come you don't go to the Republic, the Democrats, when they had a bill about election and say, hey, you want to do an election bill? Let's do one. But this is what I want in it. You know, politics is about horse trading. Give and take. But you have both parties that don't want to give or take. They just want to be silent. They just want to hold the fucking ball to see who grabs it. I think I, I think when I think when you look at his proposal, I think it was a mistake. And I agree with many of the party who probably are shaking their head and saying, why? I think Rick Scott, super conservative, felt like the party needed to come out with something. But I think overall it's going to come and bite him in the ass. I think when it's all said and done, you know, sometimes you got to think past what you truly want and truly need. A uh, couple episodes ago, 
I talked to my buddy from the Twisted Logic podcast, um, and I asked him, I said, right now, if you could give any advice for Biden, what would you give him? Think about it. Next Tuesday is the next Tuesday is the State of the Union. And the State of the Union is when a president stands before a joint chamber of Congress and he basically tells them his plans for the new year. This is an election year. Joe Biden is down in the polls. His party is projected to lose the House. And by any chance, they could possibly lose the Senate. I think this time, this place, I feel like Joe Biden has a lot of pressure on him. If it was me giving him advice, I would come to him and I'd say, Mr. President, with all due respect, we're fucked. We're fucked, we're screwed, and we don't know how to get out of this. We have allowed the left of this party to pull us from the center. We have allowed the moderates to pull us to the middle. We got elected with 81 million votes. 81 million people said, you are who they want, Mr. President. They were tired of the Trump show and they wanted a steady hand on the lever. Now, sir, I know people will look at Afghanistan and they will say, after Afghanistan, I lost all confidence. I lost all faith in you, Joe Biden. Sir, I think you've been trying to be, I think you've been trying to be a president too much to the left. You want to be the next FDR, sir. And if you truly look at it, no one can ever be FDR again because if you look at the time period, if you look at the time period, if you look at the time period, it was way different. I've always thought you should be LBJ. But some people would say, if you look at the time period, I would say, if you look at the time period, we're more aligned to 1965 than 1935. We could get things done. We can get big things done. But we have to take our time. We have to sell it to the American people. You know, we have to go small. Now I say you I know you're saying, well, I thought you said we get we can get big big things done. But it's like when you play football and instead of throwing the long pass, you you throw the short throw right up the middle. Mr. President, we have to play we have to play right down the middle now. My first advice to you would be go on a listening tour. You need to listen to the American people. I would suggest having Facebook Live press conferences. Talk to the American people. Talk to them. Now you would say, what about unedited? Yes, unedited. We will delete the idiots who say, as you know, sir, Brandon and all that crap. And we will truly get the Americans that truly want fair and honest answers. Mr. President, you need to convene committees of teachers, of policemen, of firefighters of soldiers, 
of American people. You need to sit down with the teachers of this country and hear their concerns. You need to sit down with the, uh, the leaders of this country and hear their concerns. You need to sit down with the American people and hear their concerns. And as you do that, you need to come up with legislation that they tell you they need. We need to reset today, Mr. President. We need to go small instead of going big. We need to have our high on the prize. I believe we can win this midterm. I believe people's mindsets aren't made up like most people think. But I think if we go small, if we do listening, go on a listening circuit, if we actually talk to the people instead of at them, we can tell the American people everything we've done. We can say we've done this, we've done that, we've done this, we've done that. But guess what, Mr. President? They don't feel it. So we could have saved cancer, but they don't feel it. We could have solved the AIDS issues in this country, Mr. President, but they don't feel it. Unlike FDR, unlike Johnson, we have a robust conservative media. And their job, Mr. President, is to take you down. I think you need to sit down with someone on Fox News. You need to do that. You might say, what? You need to give them an audience. Sit down with an anchor on Fox News. Answer tough questions from the other side. We can win back Congress, but we have to play it small. We have to play right down the middle. Now, some people would say, Mr. President, how do you feel like the State of the Union should go? You know, I feel like the State of our Union, Mr. President. I feel like the State of our Union is finding peace, is finding calm, is looking for clarity. But we can only get those things back if we form our agenda. Mr. President, today is the day you get it back. Now, I know you're saying, you're asking me to rethink my whole presidency. Mr. President, I'm asking you to rethink your whole presidency with a caveat, with one on the eye of returning and keeping the Congress in your hands. The American people voted for you, Mr. President, because they believed that you were the one that could solve their issues. But right now they're losing faith in you. Right now, they're losing patience in you, Mr. President. My advice to you is this. Go small. Do YouTube press conferences with the American people. Sit down with the teachers. Sit down with union workers. Sit down with construction workers. Sit down and listen to the everyday man and woman. Right now, they have a misconception of who you are. You need to reshape it. Mr. President, let this be your time. Let this be the place. Let this be the, the let this be the place. Let this be the time that you decide that you are going to take your presidency back. Mr. President, I'm with you to the end. But I need you to be with me too. We can do this. We can solve the nation's issues, Mr. President. But it needs a president that is clear-eyed, focused, and ready to act, ready to get things done. Is that you, Mr. President?
you know, that, that's the advice that I would give Joe Biden. He needs to go small. He needs to go and listen to her. He needs to do press, uh, uh, YouTube press conference. I feel like once he does that, he will be in a better place. I do feel like he'd be in a better place. I, I think if he follows that matrix, I feel like if he does those things, he'll be in a better place. So the biggest issue that I saw, this little issue people kept talking about, was uh, no flightless. Um, airline companies have get have gotten tired, like Delta, Southwest, Spirit, have gotten tired of unruly customers. And so they've asked uh, Kong, uh, the Justice Department to create this no-fly list for these customers. They face they faced backlash from lawmakers that say these are this is unfair. My question to them would these lawmakers would be why? You have these airlines who are providing a service. And they provide this service, and they've gotten pushback from this certain group of people. These people who don't want to listen. These people who feel entitled. You know, on some occasions, these people attack the flight attendants. Imagine going to work, doing your job, and being spat on, hit on, abused on, all before, all because you want to enact the plan that you're supposed to enact, these rules that you're supposed to act. But these people want to treat you less than. And then you have these Congress people, these Republicans who say it's unfair to treat these people this way. You're going to make these people pay for the rest of their lives. Yes. You know, a lot of this all came down to because these people did not want to wear masks, so they became unruly. You know, if you go in a store and it has rules, no shirt, no shoes, no service, and you go in the store and you don't, you go without a shirt and they kick you out, do you pitch a fit? The sh it's on the sign. If you read on the airline before you took the flight that you were going to have to wear a mask and you still bitched and complained, you still made a fool in an ass out of yourself. I have no sympathy for you that Joe, that uh, the airline companies want to make you, put you on this list. You know, what you do today can affect you tomorrow. Isn't that what our parents used to say? If you act like an ass today, you will be treated like an ass tomorrow. But we have these people who feel like they're above the law that they're other than. And you have these Republicans who want to protect these people. It's unfair. We shouldn't be treat, treating them less than. We're going to penalize them from ever flying again. Well, my question to those Republicans, maybe these people should have thought about that before they acted a fool. If we give these people a pass, if we say, well, they didn't mean it, well, what did they mean? You're abusing flight attendants. You're holding up flights. And in some cases, you are having flights turn around and go back to drop these unruly people off. So to put these people on a no-fly list, I do not have sympathy for. Because these people are showing that they don't know how to behave when they go in the air or they go into a different establishment. I think we live in a world where so many people feel they're entitled to things. They have bought into this mindset that you are special and what you do is above everybody else. Well, you might have been special in your mama's eyes, but guess what? Not to the airline companies. Nobody's entitled to shit. Yet we live in a country of people who feel like they're entitled to it. And so having a no-fly list 
is the least of their concerns and their worries. Maybe if you take something away from these people and they're forced to have to find other means of transportation, they will realize the biggest ass and fool they were to themselves. How much money is too much money? The biggest thing we have, I'm going to close out with this, we have, we have teachers leaving the classrooms. And it's sad, we have teachers leaving the classrooms. You have all that experience walking out of the door. Now, a lot of teachers are, are wore out from the pandemic. They don't get overtime. Teachers back in the days went from just teaching to now being therapists, nurses, you know, everything under the sun we've given to these teachers. We have wore them out. The sad part about this country is we don't value education. We don't value education until we have to. This is why I said Joe Biden should sit down with the teachers. Form legislation with the teachers. Find out where they're, why are they walking out of the classroom. You know, getting to the root cause of this can be a crowning achievement for the president. So I ask the question is how much is too much money? I think we should pay teachers for what they're worth. We should give them a bonus for what they've gone through the last few years. We've had an education department under two administration fail teachers. We've had the leader of the teachers' union fail teachers. I feel like teachers at this point in life feel alone, don't feel listened to. They're dealing with teach they're dealing with students who are bad as hell. They're burnt out from the pandemic overworked because of staff shortages and fed up with low pay and lack of respect. This is why they're leaving. They're getting out. Imagine if you went to work every day and you did not get the respect you deserved. You've got teeth, you've got students who are ungrateful. So you got yourself, you would ask yourself, why am I at this job where I get no respect? The pay doesn't even amount to much. This pandemic has kicked my ass. I've got students who I have not seen because they didn't have internet access for a Zoom class. We're living in an age where teaching is not the profession it once was. We've lost respect for teachers. We don't value teachers like we value doctors. And lawyers. Oh, you're a teacher? Oh, oh, great. It's a profession that educates our kids and sets them up for success. It's a profession where our kids sit with these people for eight hours, yet we show them no respect. Yet we can't pay them a decent wage. Yet, they have to be overworked because they don't have the manpower. So when teachers leave the classroom, the other teachers have to pick up the slack. You know what would be nice if you're a teacher and someone just came by you and patted you on the back and said, hey, thank you, Mr. Robinson. Hey, thank you, Mr. Smith. But they don't even get that. They don't get the question I ask to you tonight is, what's a, what's a decent wage? The next question I ask to you tonight is, what does the United Nations stand for? What is its purpose? What is NATO's purpose? For an ex-president 
to ridicule a current president is a shame. To say he's a victim, you're making it all about you when it should be about the Ukrainian people. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, if you love the content, thank you for listening. Please share. Have a good night. God bless you.